Welcome to Human Rights Education Now, a podcast series from Human Rights Educators USA. I'm your host, Bill Fernikes, a member of the National Steering Committee of HRE USA, a collaborative network that learns, teaches, organizes, advocates, and innovates for human rights education in the United States. This podcast aims to raise awareness about human rights education and invites listeners to engage with the worldwide movement to make human rights education a core focus of educational programs from preschool through higher education and in both non-formal and informal community educational settings. This episode continues and concludes our conversation with Marissa Gutierrez Vicario, Director of Arte Justice and Co-Chair of the HRE USA National Steering Committee. Marissa discusses how human rights education must be focused not only on global but local issues in the United States along with insights about human rights education and how it can be advanced in the U.S. despite long-standing obstacles to its implementation. The youth worked in interfaith projects for some time, and can you talk a little bit about the spiritual journey and its relationship to human rights for you? Yes. So... I grew up Catholic. Um, I think if you were to ask me today, uh, and and this is not 100% what you're asking, but I think it's important for the the context of the question. Uh, You know, I I now identify like a Christian, you know, Unitarian Universalist faith, I guess, in terms of if someone were to ask me. Um, So I say this in terms of, uh, I was all, I, as a teenager, I grew very interested in, in Unitarian Universalism just because of the direct connection with social justice, similar to the Quakers, you know, in terms of, um, and I know um, that's a, a huge social justice, faith-based uh, organization. I spent a lot of time as a, I, in some way I have like connections with Unitarians. My first job out of college was working at their their youth office that no longer exists, but now at the, their national office. Uh, so, you know, definitely interested in like youth and youth development. Um, but, but like I mentioned, I think, think I wouldn't be the activist I was today if it wasn't for that faith. Um, so I'm really grateful to that. And also, you know, I what I appreciate about Unitarians um, is, especially in the, in the U.S. context, at least, is like uh, working towards, um, again, not perfect and, and, and a lot of work yet to be done, but really striving towards anti-racism and, and anti-oppression efforts. So that was something that uh, like I was trained in and like learned about and, you know, to this day still work with, there's a, a college of social justice that, which I really love. And I've learned from really, really incredible activists doing work, doing, you know, delegations, doing work. Um, uh, to Yeah. So that's always been a part of my journey. Um, and from me in those spaces, you know, I've led trips with other really amazing activists. A lot of our work has been like, you know, helping others reflect, right? You know, whether they've been in Haiti, Nicaragua, Honduras, that we've worked in those spaces, um, reflection, but that also has given me a moment to also reflect from myself in terms of why am I doing the work that I'm doing? Why is this important? Um, That's come up a lot, especially as I work, again, do work like, and worked with people on the border and, and, but also worked in, in jails, you know, and like, in terms, I think you always part of that faith part of that spirituality is like you know why are we doing the work that we're doing what motivates us to continue um sometimes there's no easy answers to that but i I think 
this work has allowed me to be, I have a lot of work to do on that, but it has pushed me to be like, okay, I can't ask people to reflect if I'm not reflecting on this myself. Mm. So as a leader of HRE USA, you worked a lot to try to focus our work in the organization on social justice. Yes. Particularly with populations of color. How do you feel the organization is doing in that regard at this point in time? And <laughs> I say this with love and affection, and I think we have a lot of work to do and and mm-hmm. and and that's on all of us. And uh and I say this just because yeah, I mean I I, I getting people involved. Let me let me backtrack a little bit. The folks that work with HRU USA, you know, do a lot of thankless volunteer work, right? <laughs> so I think in asking people to come involved, um, well, everyone, you know, our work always wanting to invite and bringing people on. You know, we're asking people like, you know, come and join this work. You know, it's thank it's thankless. Oftentimes, we won't see the the fruits of it for years to come. You know, it's you know without compensation. You know, you know all of this, right? So I think that's that's huge to ask, right? And that's huge. Um, so. And also, it's it's really important that we you know we're we're bringing in, continuing to bring and involve diverse leaders. Um, you know, whether it is across like folks of different racial backgrounds, abilities, um, age, all these kind of things. So I think we're working on it. Um, I do think that we continue, need to continue to be explicit about this. Um, and in terms of like, I know that we're, it's not our sole. I'll put it this way: it's not our sole focus in terms of like. There's other organizations that do really important racial justice work. And also, I think in the context that we live in, like, we also can't separate that either. Like, everything that we do, in my opinion, like, like everything we do needs to be anti-racist, needs to be, like, um, you know, with Arte, that's important. Like, I don't, I want to push, or, I'm not saying that HRUSA does this, but I, I do want, as for Arte, at least I'll say, like, I don't think, like, celebrating black lives and like honoring black artists shouldn't be something reserved for just a month right like it shouldn't just this Mm. is something that we're striving to do across all of our work across like all of our social media across all of the who who our young people learn about as an artist right who our young people um you know see in in our social media who you know as a board like so those are i guess i'm you know i'm working as a leader to make sure that we it's a part of our very being and principles um, and while acknowledging that, you know, there are other organizations that we also should and can uplift and support who are doing this work um, explicitly in terms of, um, like, I think of, yeah, so I'll stop right there. But like, that's, so I think that's something that I'm hoping uh, to support, you know, HRUSA to to do, because, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's, I, it's not separate. And, but also it, you know, there are ways that we can infuse it in the ways that, um, are a part of our makeup and and a part of who we are and our and our values, which we all we talk about and we try to live in everything that we do. So, sorry, I got off. There's so many thoughts I have about that. That's okay. But yeah. yeah. Let me follow <laughs> up. Do you do you believe, for example, there should be more explicit partnerships between HRE USA and advocacy groups, let's say, in Native American communities and African American communities, Latino communities that are doing social justice work? Yeah, and actually, that was one thing I was going to mention. Like, definitely partnerships, uh, amplifying work when appropriate and necessary. You know, um, that's I think that's part of the like 
that's part of the work, right? In terms of like, you know, partnering, um, understanding what people are doing. And I think, and this has happened to me a lot of my life, people are doing really incredible human rights work or human rights education work. They may not call it that either, mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean they're not doing it and doesn't mean that we can't support it. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, but also like thinking about meaningful ways, making it, you know, making it sure that we're not tokenizing people, making it sure, and not that we do, but these are things that come up, um, you know, making sure that we, it feels authentic. Also, you know, learning when like, you know, if we offer partnerships and like people are saying, no, this is not the time or place, like that's also okay too, right? Like, and, and honoring that, right? Um, so uh, I do think that, um, that we have folks in our community who are doing that and building authentic community partnerships and doing that work um noticed and unnoticed and and things like that but you know overall you know we can we can always do better you know so if you look at the idea of human rights i'm using the tip o'neill quote here that all politics have been local would you say that all human rights education is local and if so why yeah Yes, and also I know people. People also like the word "global," you know, global and local. <laughs> they love that. Um, so absolutely, just um, you know what I just mentioned, what we just mentioned, like in terms of you know uh, supporting, oftentimes local leadership of color, and like in in and that is local, and 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 I also found like I even we did a workshop this Saturday. I won't go into too many details about it, but like we were working with students and we were talking about these concepts some of it was about abolition and, and mass incarceration and they understood it, but someone asked a question about like, well, what does this mean in your own school? What does this mm-hmm. mean in your own? Mm-hmm. Like, that's when it like, and the conversation started going like, and, and couldn't sign. I really was so appreciative of that conversation. And that was because it was localized, right? Like, you know, like I have no doubt that students, anyone, you know, understands at these larger levels and, and want to, to care, but it does have to start, you know, inherently we're, we're in like human beings <laughs> like themselves or, or like, like talking about themselves sometimes. Um, so I've noticed, you know, they, you know, they need examples. We need examples in terms of, and, and if we look outside our, our local community first, that's really important. And, and then also you, one can make the argument, like, you know, you need to, why would you go into someone else's backyard without addressing the issues in your own backyard first? Right. And of course there's, you know, international partnerships and coalitions and, and um, solidarity movements of that course. But also I think, you know, I think anyone would agree a part of those movements, we need to, to also look at ourselves first. Um, and I think if once we do that, we'll see a lot of, of commonalities. I always say that human rights don't exist in vacuums, right? So, um, you know, like, I, again, Black Lives Matter movement, you know, we saw what was happening in our own communities and has been happening. People have been talking about this for a long time, even before um, I mm-hmm. want to acknowledge that, but then, you know, also seeing the global movement of people who have been feeling like, like wanting to talk about this and wanting to to engage um, at this global level, too. So it's all there. I mean, I think it's interesting. You mentioned that direct connection. When I used to teach a class on the Holocaust, I found the most powerful way to reach the students was to go through personal narratives. Absolutely. Because the monumentality of the events was incomprehensible in some ways. But when you get it to a personal level, I think it becomes much more understandable and the pain and the experiences become much more visceral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's where art becomes important too, right? Like, um, and, and again, ways that feel respectful and people who want to share their stories. But, 
yeah, when people look at art, they hear stories, um, you know, they they see it's yeah, it becomes a very like personalized, it, it becomes easier to to understand as opposed to a large statistics. I think when you think of millions being being killed, I can't even imagine what that mm. is, you know, like um, but if you can see it like um the idea of like this could be your neighbor, your friend, you know. And I wish we lived in a world where that wasn't necessary. We didn't have to like humanize in that way, but we do. And that's okay. Um, if that, you know, if that helps move people to action in some way. So you've worked in the field for a number of years now. And if you think about the context of the United States, what are some sort of key insights or conclusions that you think are essential for HRE to move forward in this country? Yeah. Uh, and some of these we had really touched on, so I apologize. Um, you know, again, this idea that like learning and and taking and I think there's a an an aspect of humility, right? Where you know, learning from organizers, um, especially people of color, um, organizers, and like um, learning from people who are most directly impacted. I think that is really important, um, and that's going to help move us forward um, in terms of 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 HRE in, in this country. Uh, also, I think there's this aspect, I mean, I'm also going to give you the, like, what I feel like in the art, like art background. Mm -hmm. and I, yeah. I mean, I also think that people, I think I say the art manifests hope and hope manifests justice. So um, I do think people need to continue, and people have been doing this, but like, you know, continue to rely on art and creativity and imagination because this work is really, really hard and really, it's very easy to get like numb. And so, you know, um, it's very easy, especially if you're not directly, especially if you're not directly impacted, I think in some ways it's easy to turn off, you know? Um, and so I think using art as a way to continue to inspire hope and joy, I think people, people need that infused in these movements if they're going to be sustainable for the long run. Um, mm. and, and you mentioned Dolores Huerta earlier. It was actually funny I forget. So I think the, I think it's actually going to be her birthday within the next day or two. Um, I think she's going to turn 93. Um, so I always say that, like, I get very tired and burnt out. But Dolores Huerta has been doing this, like, work double my lifetime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's very admirable and very powerful. So, um, you know, I think taking that and I imagine also I mean, I don't I don't I don't know her like what she does like in terms of how she like her own personal self-care that you know it's personal but like you know i think thinking about ways that we're going to do this for I, for the long run right like i would love to be 93 if i have the privilege of you know and be able to still <laughs> do this work right so i i think that's really important um so if you think about the um way in which we're dealing in this country with a whole series of human rights crises whether it's violence against minorities and migrants and refugee rights, uh, academic freedom, censorship. Um, what do you see as the role of the federal government? Because state governments have their own agendas and their own focus, but the federal government is actually signatory to a number of these treaties, international treaties. So what would you like to see the federal government be doing to advance human rights education, particularly in light of all these crises in the country? Mm, I and I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know if I can answer that. Great, you know. Um, but I would imagine, like 
you know, we talk to students about, you know, being signatories of different things. You just mentioned that as well. Like, you know, we were talking recently about the Convention on the Rights of the Child, like that for one is something, you know, um, and I know a lot of it is symbolic in many ways as, you know, but also that that symbolism can go a long way uh, in terms of like, this is our government, you know, is, you know, we're actively in encouraging this, um, you know, I and I think that that would impact also like when you think about like, um, again, incarceration, thinking about like children who've been incarcerated, solitary confinement, you know, those things. Um, so, I mean, I would love to see, obviously, those, like, when I think about solitary confinement, like, not existing, <laughs> you know, like, on a federal level, obviously, um, you know, of course, we see it on the the state level, um, and, and and people have fought very hard for those, like, to you know, for, like, mm-hmm. young, you know, young people to not be incarcerated, like, in New York State, like, um, you know, banning certain things, but, like, you know, I would, you know, as a human rights educator, you know, I'd love to see this as well on a federal level. Um, so again, I'm I'm not really answering your question 100%, but like to to be able to honor human rights and honor human rights education at this larger level, which I, I hope would like inspire, you know, on the states, but also, but also that's a hard, hard for me to think about too, because one thing I wanted to mention as well is like, when I think about governance um i am really worried as an educator in new york of other, what what is happening on on different state levels then like i you know one example like i think about a lot about florida i spent a little time in florida during the pandemic like um you know i think it goes without saying you know we're living in different worlds not even just different like states different worlds so again i can't speak so much for the federal government but i can speak in terms of educators thinking about these issues on this larger level um I and I think HRU is really great about this, you know. But also, you know, what can we, what support can we offer states, um, you know, who have like CRT bans, right? You know, like what are you know what are we actually doing? Um, we have a lot of issues to face within our own states, and by no means we're perfect. But um, you know, I, I I do think that there are ways that we can again continue to build coalitions, learn from the folks that are actually in these states, and figuring mm-hmm. out what they need. From their counterparts so that's that's the way i'm kind of thinking about things right now mm-hmm. otherwise maybe i would be different and thinking about you know my role differently but um but that's kind of what i want to see not just from the federal government but what yeah. do we as educators what can we offer and support with yeah because we have a decentralized education system in this country it's not like in france where there's a ministry of education and they have a unified system but i think you're onto something that the idea being we can offer support, critical resources for dealing with a number of these threats. I mean, I'll give you a personal example. When I was teaching at Rutgers in uh, teacher preparation, which I'm not doing anymore, people would ask me, well, you know, I might want to move to Florida to teach. I say, fine. But today, if they actually asked me that question, I would say, you really have to think about that. Because of the threats to academic freedom and because of the limitations they're trying to impose, centralized limitations on um, freedom of thought. Yeah, yeah. And and I honor that you said that. And also, it makes like, where does that leave the folks there, right? Like, I think about that a lot. Like, so, you know, part of us, I mean, (laughs) I'm saying this as a part of like a podcast, but, you know, I would like to see, you know, for Arte, even though we're still grassroots and very small, you know, maybe we we offer more support for folks, you know, across the, I mean, we did try a national 
um, mm. program, but like we're, you know, we, I think we want to build this up a little bit more and, but that takes also building time and coalition and, and, and actually mm-hmm. reaching out and that's, that's a lot. So um, yeah. So as we turn to our last set of questions, which are common for each podcast, uh, mm-hmm. let me start with the one that we uh, begin with, which is who would be the most influential role model for your HRE work? That could be a person who's alive or deceased. Who would be the most influential? Yes. This is, <laughs> this might sound a little, no, I mean, it's I think it's great. Uh, I honestly, it's like the folks, it's the young people I work with really. Like they, they're inspiring. They influence like how I think about things. Um, they, like we have a junior board right now. Um, so it's a group of young folks and we're still building it. It's still really hard. And, and, you know, but they just started doing workshops and like, they're starting to, they really want to do workshops to help other young people learn about things. Um, and again, it's, I, I know it's, it's, it's still a learning process for them, but to see such a deep desire to do things on top of school, on top of graduating, on top of the jobs that they carry, um, that's very inspiring. Right. Um, so yeah, and I can't wait to see what they will be when they get. I mean, no, I say that like I'm so excited to see who they are now, and I can't wait to see what they'll do more because it's it's like they're still amazing, and they will be more amazing. So um, that's really inspiring for me. That keeps me going. That is my hope. Like again, I love art. I love the work that I do, but also like I don't want to be executive director forever either. I don't mm. think that, you know. I don't think I should. So you know, I'm hoping that you know whoever comes next. My hope, if you know, if we have the honor of, you know, keeping on longer, that would be amazing. And then also to have, you know, um, the young person continue this work. So what quote most effectively sums up your view of the importance of human rights? I was going to use the quote that I said earlier, but maybe change it a little bit. So I think art manifests hope and <laughs> and hope manifests human rights. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I think... You know, I yeah. So I think that's that's important. That and that's, but I feel kind of weird. That's a quote that I I felt like <laughs> that feels very. <laughs> but I I think it's the only the reason because the one I could remember. Um, but you know, I like Eleanor Roosevelt has amazing quotes about like human rights. Like again, I'd have to pull it up. I'm sorry, I don't have that up with me. But like human rights being everywhere. Um, you know, like on this local level. Um, so I'm not gonna mess up people's quotes. So I, that's why I chose my own. So sorry, but <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, like I. I I love this idea again of this idea of language, right? And being able to and like um, empower folks to be able to. It's a tool that everyone can and should use. Um, you know, one question we often ask folks is like, uh, you know, we ask them like, what is the one thing you should uh, be in order to have human rights, right? And we're like, just to be human. So I love that aspect of being able to go and and engage young people and like, um, again, even though it's not a perfect system. And even though obviously there's human rights violations to know that this exists is very, um, it's very inspiring. And last but not least, if you had the power to make one critical change to advance HRE in this country, what would you do? Just one. (laughs) It's really hard. Uh, (laughs) For HRE education, um, just so that, everyone had equal access to that. So I guess what I mean by that is like, you know, I think sometimes 
I've talked to people and their human rights education has started in graduate school, right? Mm-hmm. Or they, it's the first time they ever learned about the UDHR. Um, and I want that to change. Like, you know, again, I mentioned like, we work in jail sometimes and we actually introduced the UDHR to some folks there. And there was one person, I remember, I'll never forget, they like wrote down every, they copied down every um, article and they just wrote it down, you know, and and to me, like that was really, I was very touched by that. I don't know, there's this moment of like, um, and what that meant in the context of somewhere where people don't have any rights, right? So like um, to be able to have access to, to this and then, sorry, I'm going to cheat a little bit, but also the idea of, of people just being free in general, right? So like, mm. that, like I, I, I paint this picture of someone writing down the rights in a jail cell, but I don't want them to be there at all. So that, for me, so like just being able to, or or being able to understand their rights outside of the context too. So um, I hope that made sense, but like, I want people to know their rights, but also want them to have them and uh, to and have quality access to them, you know, regardless of the, the context that you're in. So freedom from oppression. Yeah. And be able to exercise their rights without fear. Without fear. Yeah. And yeah. And um, and being able to, to, live to the fullest potential i think for some folks or for all folks but like to but especially for folks who have had that taken away well i would say that if uh, people looked at your example then that's a good way to proceed because you're a living example of that trying to help people do that and i'm very happy that we had this conversation today thank you thank you for having me and yeah no it's always a pleasure to speak with you okay and uh thank you very much marissa and i wish you the best Thank you. Thanks for listening to Human Rights Education Now. You can find additional information about this podcast series at www.hreusa.org. Each episode is available on the HRE USA podcast page, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and Deezer. They will soon be available on YouTube and SoundCloud. You can also download each episode as an MP3 file. If you have questions or comments about this podcast, send them to Christy at HREUSA.org. That's K-R-I-S-T-I at HREUSA.org. Our podcast team includes producer and editor Bill Fernikes, executive producer Christy Redalius-Palmer, editor Elizabeth Schwab, sound designer and project manager Sabrina Sanchez, and production coordinator Jasmine Chizu Gotan. Human Rights Education Now is a production of Human Rights Educators USA, a project of the Center for Transformative Action in Ithaca, New York.